This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. I'm recording this on a beautiful October day here in New Hampshire. All the trees are turning colors now. Today I'm going to tell you a story about a Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, and a Hindu who wake up in the afterlife. A Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, and a Hindu were close friends. They used to gather regularly to have dinner at a local restaurant, and one day they were all eating together when an earthquake struck and destroyed the restaurant and killed all of them. They woke up in the afterlife, surrounded by their friends and sitting on the grass by the side of the road. Well, this is strange, they all thought. They all got up and they walked along a tree-lined road, enjoying the scenery and continuing the spiritual conversations that they enjoyed on earth. And they were wondering and discussing which one of their various views of the afterlife this was. After a while, they came to a high white stone wall along one side of the road. It looked like fine marble. At the top of a long hill, there was a huge white arch that gleamed in the sunlight. And when they got closer, they saw a magnificent large gate in the arch that looked like it was made out of mother of pearl. And the street that led through that gate looked like it was made of pure gold. And sure enough, as they approached the gate, there was a man sitting by the gate that looked just like St. Peter. I was right, said the Christian. All four of them walked up to the gatekeeper, who was sitting at a beautiful carved desk off to one side of the gate. The Christian called out, Excuse me, but is this heaven? Yes, it is, sir, the man answered. Wow, said the Christian. It's just like it's described in the New Testament, with the pearly gates. In the streets of gold. Well, what did you expect? The gatekeeper responded. May I have your name? And the Christian gave him his name, and the gatekeeper looked it up in his big book. Yes, your name is recorded here in the book of life. You are cleared for entrance. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And the pearly gates opened to receive the Christian And he started walking in, then he paused, and he said, Well, what about my friends who are here with me? They are very devout and and moral people, even though they are of different faiths. This friend here is a Muslim, and this one is a Jew, and third is a Hindu. Can they come in with me? The gatekeeper said, Oh, I'm afraid not. If they're not Christians, they're not allowed in heaven. The Hindu, for example, is a polytheist, and the Muslim follows Muhammad. And the Jew does not acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. Sorry, they are not permitted in heaven. The Christian responded, Well, if my friends are not allowed in, 
then I'm not coming in either. Suit yourself, said the gatekeeper, and he closed the gate. The four friends turned back, and they continued along the road. And after a long walk, they reached the top of another hill. They came to a dirt road, which led to a farmhouse with a picket fence. And as they approached the gate, they saw a woman just inside, sitting in a rocking chair in the shade of a large maple tree, and she was reading a book. Excuse me, the Christian called to the reader. Do you have any water? My friends and I have been on the road for a long time, and we are very thirsty. Of course. There's a pump right over there, the woman said. Come on in. Make yourself at home. Well, how about my friends? The Christian asked. I'm afraid they're not Christians. One is a Muslim, and one is a Jew, and one is a Hindu. Oh, they're all welcome here, the woman replied. So they walked through the gate, and sure enough, there was an old-fashioned hand pump with a, a dipper hanging on it, and they all quenched their thirst, and after they had all had enough to drink, they walked back to the woman who was sitting under the tree waiting for them. And they asked her, what do you call this place? This is heaven, the woman answered. Heaven? Well, that's confusing, the Christian said. It certainly doesn't look like heaven. Besides, there's a man down the road who said that his place is heaven. Oh, you mean the place with the golden streets and the pearly gates? No, that's hell. That's hell? Doesn't it offend you that they call it heaven? No, it actually saves us a lot of time. They screen out the people who are willing to leave their friends behind. One of the scandals of religion is exclusivism. It is an expression of duality that claims heaven for their own faith and would exclude all others of other faiths. It finds its extreme forms in fundamentalisms in all religions, but is found in more subtle forms, even in progressive forms of of faith. Unfortunately, this exclusivism is a part of my religion of Christianity, and I'm fighting it all the time. I have come to the conclusion that it is an expression of the same bigotry that we find in racism. I recently read a fascinating book that opened my eyes to the pervasiveness of racism in society. It's entitled Cast. The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson, who's the first African-American woman to win the Pulitzer Prize in journalism. It focuses on race using the United States and India and Nazi Germany as examples and drawing parallels between them. It's a sobering and at times frightening book, especially when you think of what's happening in our country right now. She talks a lot about how caste is used to exclude people from the benefits of society. And religion has been complicit in those society. Even though she doesn't talk very much about religion, it's not the focus of her book, I could not help thinking about the role of religion in racism, and particularly in our country. My alma mater, the 
Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, where I got my Master of Divinity and Doctor of Ministry degrees. It has been in the news recently over calls to rename four buildings on campus that were named after the four founders of the seminary who were slave owners. I know two of those buildings well because during the years I was there, I was the custodian of those buildings while I was a student there. The seminary has resisted any attempt to change the names of these buildings. In fact, in defense of keeping the names, they recently retired history professor at the seminary, Tom Nettles, wrote a piece defending slavery on biblical grounds as morally acceptable, both then in the 19th century and even now. It is unbelievable. Furthermore, his words were backed up by the present president of Southern Seminary. The whole thing makes me sick. What makes me just as sick is the doctrine of hell as believed in by these same people. In my opinion, the doctrine of hell is the theological equivalent to lynching. In Isabel Wilkerson's book, Cass, she has a chapter that helped me understand the roots of hell in racism, even though she does not explicitly say that and address the topic. One of the chapters is called The Urgent Necessity of a Bottom Rung, in which she explains how people near the bottom of the social and economic ladder, white people near the bottom, feel they need someone below them so that no matter how bad their situation is, at least there's someone worse off than themselves who cannot advance to where they are. This bottom rung is called the basement in the next chapter, which is entitled Packed in a Flooding Basement. Hell is the theological bottom rung. It is the basement of the Christian afterlife. And if you have ever read Dante's Divine Comedy, and especially The Inferno, you get that feeling intensely. Hell is religious violence. It is theological terrorism. You can't get any more brutal and violent than justifying, torturing, tormenting people for all eternity in the name of God because they will not accept your religion. White evangelical Christians in America feel like they are being increasingly marginalized in our society. They feel like they're losing power and position in the changing American landscape. But at least in their hearts and in their minds and in their religion, their one true faith as they see it, they can throw all these people who disagree with them into hell, especially liberals and Muslims. The idea is not new. Dante put Muhammad in the eighth circle of hell, and he put a lot of his personal enemies in hell, in the inferno as well. This eternal torture in hell is supposedly, according to Christianity, ordained by a loving God who is pictured in Western Christian art 
as an old white guy. On the other hand, Satan is always pictured art as dark-skinned. In 2013, the History Channel had a miniseries entitled The Bible, and the role of Satan was played by a man who looked suspiciously like Barack Obama. It caused outrage at the time in the African-American community. The producers of the miniseries, both white evangelicals, said the resemblance was is accidental. It was not intentional, which is probably true. And that's exactly the problem. You see, racism is unconscious in white people. Exclusivism, in the same way, is unconscious in religion. But it's just as violent and vile. You know, we don't think we are discriminating against people with our schemes of the afterlife, but we are. We are discriminating against people based on their creed and their religion, which are closely related in history in the world with race and ethnic and national origin. This is profoundly anti-American and racist. It is duality in its extreme form. Thing is, it can be found in all of us. Even the story that I told you about the four friends is dualistic. It just happens to be a more acceptable form of dualism. It just puts different people in hell. You know, those damned fundamentalists. See how insidious the ego is? Reality is non-dual. Beyond heaven and hell. Beyond God and Satan. Beyond good and evil. Beyond right and wrong. All is one. This is the way that Lao Tzu called the Tao, or Jesus called the Kingdom of God, the Buddha called Nirvana, to abide in this non-dual reality is what I call heaven. And in this heaven, all are included. That is it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.